When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm Rylan Stiles and with me today is Grant Tuttle. Grant, the first in-season game week podcast that you'll be a part of this season. How are you doing today? I am doing well. I've watched the tape of several games, feeling better about the Chiefs than after the game immediately. So things are good in my neck of the, neck of the woods. How are you doing, Rylan? I'm doing pretty, pretty well. We're going to record this podcast today, recapping the Chiefs' win over the Jaguars 40-26, to and also the NFL, and then tomorrow, we'll preview the Chiefs' game against the Oakland Raiders, and preview week two of the NFL slate. But first, let's get into some Chiefs news. Grant, we talked about it on Sunday on the Rapid Reaction Show, Tyreek Hill Suffered an injury and he'll be out four to six weeks, but he's likely to miss an IR stint. And in those four to six weeks, the Chiefs will play the Raiders on Sunday, the Ravens, Lions, Colts, Texans, and Broncos. I mean, I've got to say, I am thrilled that he's not out for longer. I thought for sure that uh, a rush to the hospital and uh, a potential collarbone injury would be a lot longer. So four to six weeks sounds good to me. Um, and I like the schedule that he's, that, that will be without him for other than the Ravens and the Texans. Um, all the rest of that seems, uh, seems fine. Yeah. You know, I, I worry about the Colts game as well, but other than that, I think that the Chiefs should be fine. I, uh, for three of the six games. I think the Colts are going to be a scrappy team. I, I don't think that they're a playoff team unless they, they surprise everybody. There's there's that chance, you know, that they, they overtake the Texans because Bill O'Brien shouldn't be an NFL head coach. Um, but I, I, I just don't I, I don't buy the fact that the Colts can get it done without Andrew Luck. I think maybe they can, they can pull out a nine-win season, ten at the max. Uh, maybe they can make a, a, a wild card run. Uh, but I think that's about maxing out what the Colts can do. Uh, in this stretch, I, I, I'm not scared of the Broncos. I'm not scared of the Lions, that's for sure. And and the Raiders actually will get into it on our next show. But I, was, I came away somewhat uh, intrigued by what I saw by the Raiders. I, I thought for sure they would look like a dumpster fire without Antonio Brown. And they, they came out and were pleasantly surprising. Yeah, I was... If you follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles, you can follow Grant on Twitter at Grant TMN Tuttle. I was a little bit nervous about the Raiders game after watching that front seven play. Derek Carr was looking good. I mean, we're talking about a Chiefs defense who made Gardner Minshaw look like he was the second coming of Tom Brady. So I was a little bit nervous there, but I think that the Chiefs should be able to take care of them. And if you're without Terry Kill, who's arguably your second best player on the team, and you go 3-3 three and three in this timeout, if he lasts all the way up to that to that six-game mark, because again, it's four to six weeks, so he can come back as soon as four, as late as six, and possibly even later than that, but hopefully six is the most. If you go 3-3 three and three in that stretch, you're feeling pretty good. Uh, the Colts had a good game on Sunday, but I think that, you know, we'll talk about that in the NFL recap, but I think that that's always uh, not necessarily who they're going to be the entire season. I think that they had like an emotional... Uh, high coming off of what all they went through with Andrew Luck, etc., etc. But that's the news on Terry Kill. He's going to be out four to six weeks. And then Patrick Mahomes is practicing today 
Uh, we'll see after practice. Uh, we're recording this at 1230. Practice hasn't ended yet, and the injury report has not came out yet. We'll see how much he does there. But he is going to practice today. Uh, yeah, and they they asked him, somebody, some reporter, I, I follow a lot of these people on Twitter mobily, so I just get updates to my phone constantly about the Chiefs. Call me a, a real Arrowhead addict, ha ha ha. But um, the what I got uh, recently was that Mahomes said that every day uh, he, it's felt better since the game, so I don't think that's going to be a lingering issue. It might be something where he, they have to wrap it up and he has to um, be careful about it, but I don't think it's going to uh, debilitate him in any uh, meaningful way. And let's pour one out for Byron Pringle. The fan <laughs> favorite, the K-State Wildcat, is gone. He's been cut that way. DeAnthony Thomas can be reinstated onto the Chiefs roster. Do you have any feelings on this news? I don't really care I, that Pringle got cut, and I'm not really too concerned with, with the wide receiver situation. I have to say I was a little surprised that they went the Byron Pringle route uh, and Tremont Smith remains on the team. Um, Byron Pringle, by all accounts, I think is probably the, the second or third best route runner on the team after Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins. So, I mean, I I get why they did it. Uh, D'Anthony Thomas is definitely a more explosive player, uh, but Pringle's no, no joke himself. Uh, so, yeah, I, I have a little bit of a feeling on it, but I, I get it. Uh, they said that they're going to try to re-sign him to the practice squad. Um, if they can retain Pringle, that would be great. But with a flurry of injuries after week one, I would be a little bit surprised if another team didn't just come and uh, snatch him up. But we'll see. And I believe that Garrick Dieter got released from the IR with an injury settlement as well. Yes. Uh, but that's about all the Chiefs news. Again, Dieter was never going to make a huge NFL impact. He was mainly just Patrick Mahomes' buddy, uh, but still, he was fun to have around, and he was a good interview, so that, that's going to be missed on the media side of things, but nonetheless, that's all the Chiefs news from week one. Let's get into the first regular season recap of the Chiefs' 2019 season. Again, the Chiefs beat the Jaguars 40-26, to and first, let's start with our biggest takeaways. My biggest takeaway was that there was seemingly no pass rush on in this game, especially early on, uh, that was very disappointing that they could not get to, at first, Nick Foles, and then, of course, Garner Minshew just dink and dunked his way down the field for the Jaguars. I didn't, uh, I wasn't in love with the pass rush the way I thought it was going to be after this game, uh, but that's probably my biggest takeaway from this one. Yeah, um, I thought the same thing. Uh, looking at the tape, uh, you you will definitely see uh, the Jaguars uh, double-teamed uh, Frank Clark a lot. Uh, Chris Jones wasn't overly impressive, but they they kept a lot of tight ends in. They chipped a lot of blockers with the, or chipped a lot of uh, rushers with the running back. Um, so they did some things to negate the Chiefs' pass rush. Um, they they played it safe because they and this is what worries me if they can't make an adjustment uh, because if other teams uh, just do the same thing and the Chiefs can't adjust. Uh, to covering fewer targets, uh, they're going to get eaten alive all year long. Um, but that being said, I, I I was a little bit surprised how often the uh, Jaguars deployed an extra blocker. Um, I guess part of that was with um, because Gardner Minshew was in there and they didn't want him to get rattled too badly as a rookie quarterback. But by all accounts, I, I, I don't want to say that Gardner, Gardner Minshew had a bad game or doesn't look like a rookie even. Like, he, he had a good game, obviously, but, I mean, like, he he did not look like a bad player. And I, I don't think that uh, people are giving him enough credit. They're saying, well, the Chiefs had a bad showing, and they did. The Chiefs had some blown coverages. They had some, some mental lapses. But at the same time, Minshew made some very nice throws. Uh, there was one in particular that I – was that I was taken off guard by, I believe it was to Chark, DJ Chark, down the sideline. He threw a perfect back shoulder throw uh, when Kendall Fuller was in coverage, and Fuller had absolutely no chance. It was just, it was a perfect ball, and sometimes guys just ball out, and I think maybe Gardner Minshew had his game, 
we'll see if that continues. Maybe he'll be some kind of rookie sensation. But don't don't let me like make you think that Gardner Minshew is some kind of second coming of Tom Brady. But he is a I, I thought he had a solid game, uh, and he might have been just playing out of his mind. Uh, we'll have to see what the Chiefs' defense looks like next week. Yeah, he he did have a very good game, but it's kind of just the thing of what we do in football. Uh, if you go to the college level, if if Tennessee loses to Georgia State, then they're a laughing stock. If they beat Georgia State, well, they were supposed to do that. If the Chiefs dominate Oakland on Sunday, well, they were supposed to do that. If they lose to Oakland... Then you have then people have concerns about the offense and missing Terry Kill. It's all just about the results and playing the results. I think that there's a good middle ground. Did Minshew have a good game? Yes, he did, and he and he looked confident, which was the biggest thing against any defense was to be thrown in that spot in the second or, th- or first quarter to be thrown in the game when you're not expecting to play at all and look like you know what you're doing, look like you have your purpose, and not look scared against an NFL caliber defense that was very impressive uh, he made it he made a few good throws the coaching staff set him up extremely well but then you get back to the fact that the Chiefs defense is terrible it's just that's what it is especially if they don't have a pass rush this defense is going to be consistently terrible if they can't get to the quarterback and they couldn't do that on Sunday and so that's why that's probably my biggest takeaway from this game yeah um I was also kind of shocked by the lack of blitzing um I there was some there was some times when uh, Spags sent uh, he sent uh, Teron Matthew uh, and he I mean I, I get why you, you do safety blitzes and they tried delayed safety blitzes but the Jaguars were all over it and saw it coming the whole way I didn't see any great disguises from the Chiefs it didn't seem like they were really trying to send extra like a linebacker I, I saw that maybe once or twice but I thought Spagnolo was the guy that was going to be uh, the big aggressive defensive coordinator that's going to um, play a uh, tight zone, uh, like a tighter zone, uh, press your guy up at the line of scrimmage kind of defense where they, they get blitz, uh, blitzed off the line. But it didn't appear to, to be that, and I don't know if it's because the Chiefs took an early lead and they felt like they didn't really have to. I mean, that's I, I think that's part of it. They played a little bit conservative. I don't know if they're trying to still gel people together. Um, but, yeah, I noticed that for sure. Uh, the defense didn't look good in particular. Uh, Charvarius Ward looked horrendous. Um, and I know he was a guy that everybody was optimistic about. Um, but he looked just downright bad. He couldn't cover Chris Conley, who by all accounts is a fine receiver. Um, but he, he literally just like couldn't stay with people within a matter of two steps. He would just lose people, and I thought that was very concerning. And uh, the Chiefs should go out and sign Aaron Colvin, uh, who was just released by the Texans. That's my uh, my note there. Yeah, and, and, and the frustrating part is, obviously you get 26 points, and 26 points in 2019 is not that big of a deal. The big deal is that to one of the, if not the worst, offense you're going to play all year, save the Broncos, I guess, you give up 347 yards through the air and three passing touchdowns against one of the worst offenses you're going to see. Add into the fact that it was their backup quarterback that did that to you. Nick Foles only accounted for 75 yards only and threw a touchdown, of course, on the play he got hurt. I, well, yeah, I and I thought that actually Minshew looked like a better quarterback than Foles, which was actually kind of mind-boggling. Um, Foles, the, the Chiefs shut him down the first time on a uh, three and out. And then on that on the one uh, where Jones took him to the ground and injured him, and he made that remarkable throw, um, he, his guy was completely covered. So it was an excellent pass by Foles. But overall, as as a full game of of course we didn't see all of uh, what Nick Foles could do. But I thought that I thought that um, Gardner Minshew had a an excellent game, um, and so. We'll see. I, I mean, I'm I'm really kind of on the Gardner Minshew train. I I was genu- genuinely impressed. I thought maybe it was a fluke in the Chiefs' defense, but a lot of times people were covered. A lot of times he had great pocket awareness and and found the open guy, which is very difficult for a rookie. Um, and I don't know if this will cause quarterback controversy. Uh, they they brought in Josh Dobbs, but I would be surprised if Dobbs was the starter over uh, Minshew after a game like that. Um, but anyway, we need to move on before I talk. I become the Gardner Minshew podcast all by myself. 
him and Josh Allen, your two guys. My, my but guys. I don't think that there's any any doubt that Minshew is going to get the start in week two. We'll see how that progresses. But if you want to switch it over from being uh, somewhat negative on the defense, obviously I've been very negative on the defense so far. You could also play into account that they prepared to see Nick Foles in this game. They didn't prepare to see Gardner Minshew, and, and Minshew had more of the pocket presence that you're talking about. He was better uh, escaping pressure. He was better in the face of pressure than Nick Foles was early on in that game. Now, Nick Foles didn't get to settle into the game the way Minshew did, uh, but your whole mindset changes with a different quarterback back there, so I'm interested to see how it performs, how they perform uh, in the coming weeks. Uh, but another takeaway I had was that Patrick Mahomes, before the ankle injury, looked like the best quarterback in the NFL again. He oh, looked yeah. like he could duplicate what he did last year. Oh, he's when better. everyone's talking about regression, when everyone's talking about the fact that you can't keep this up, when everyone's talking about the fact that maybe last year was a fluke because teams didn't have film on him, teams didn't have the ability to scout this offense thoroughly, you get a whole offseason to do so, he's not going to be the same guy. Before that ankle injury, he looked like the MVP and he looked like the best quarterback in the National Football League. Yeah, um, he, he looks better, uh, just hands down. Uh, he's a better quarterback. He looks like a veteran now. Uh, like he looked like he looked like the young gun that came out, and he looked so. So for instance, he looked a little bit like Brett Favre last year, where he would he would run out of the pocket, and make some crazy throws. Now he looks more like a Drew Brees, where he can stand in the pocket in the face of pressure, and he can still deliver. Um, he does not panic like he did last year, um, which. I think he needs to still be able to run out of the pocket and make some miraculous throws. That's part of what his game is. Um, but, yeah, no, absolutely I think he's a better quarterback, and that should terrify defenses all over the NFL. Especially if he gets that ankle injury right. I mean, as long as that doesn't linger with him the whole year or even part of the year, he's going to be the favorite for the MVP for the entire Length of this season. Well, I mean, we'll see. he looked incredible. We'll see what happens with Lamar Jackson, man. I mean, <laughs> five touchdowns could keep it up, or maybe it's just because the Dolphins are um, a dumpster fire. Yeah, and and, and there is it's it's hard to do back to back MVPs because there's voter, there's voter fatigue, uh, voters trying to get someone else the award and the accolade. But still, he looked like the best quarterback from last Sunday. Before the ankle injury and after it, he still looked like a very good quarterback. But obviously, he was limited and couldn't do his, uh, couldn't excel to the level he is used to and play his normal game. Uh, which brings us to the next takeaway, which was that the offense, the offensive line, has to improve in a hurry. They looked probably the worst they've ever looked under Andy Reid uh, in his career in Kansas City. They looked terrible on Sunday. Well, um, again, I I went to the tape. Uh, and part of it was, yes, the Chiefs had some lapses in blocking. Um, Eric Fisher struggled from time to time. But really, um, the the pass rush from the Jaguars was just solid all the way around. They brought extra guys all the time. That's why Andy Reid started doing the quick passes as well as uh, after, of course, the injury to uh, Mahomes. He wanted to get the ball out of there quick. But he also went to the... Um, the screen game because the Jaguars just kept bringing the, an extra guy here or there. And that was part of it. Um, also Josh Allen had an, a heck of a game. Uh, he gave, he gave, um, Mitch Schwartz a run for his, his money. Um, I thought that he was genuinely impressive. Um, I don't know. I, I, yes, the offensive line looked bad, but I'm not panicking yet because I know what they can do, and I know that Jacksonville actually has a very good front. So um, we'll see. Yeah, I think that we saw this a little bit in the preseason, and you brought it up in our um, preseason podcast, I believe the second week of the preseason, and I kind of uh, poo-pooed it, and I said it's the preseason, it doesn't really matter. I think that they're going to be fine. They didn't look fine on Sunday, and it got Mahomes hurt. Hopefully, that was a fluke. But again, this Sunday, we'll talk about it tomorrow, you're going up against what looked to be another good pass rush. I mean, they were phenomenal on Monday. That was one of the things that they did very well on Monday. So you hope that the offensive line just had a bad night uh, and that Andy Reid and, and the coaching staff can figure out ways to keep Mahomes upright and keep the offense flowing. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to call Oakland a phenomenal pass rush just because of what they did against Garrett Bowles and the Denver offensive line. Um, but definitely they're better than they were last year. Uh, Cleland Farrell is a, a solid addition. Um, the the Raiders kind of got beat up on Monday, so they're, they're actually without um, their starting safety for next week. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but... Uh, uh, Jonathan Abram is going to be out for considerable time, maybe for the season. Uh, he tore his rotator cuff in the first quarter of the game and played the rest of the game with it. So talk about a tough kid. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'm not gen- I'm not overly concerned about the pass rush from uh, Cleveland Farrell and a bunch of young uh, young guys and run stoppers. Because uh, that's basically what Oakland is. Running the football will be a lot tougher against Oakland. Um, but uh, as far as pass rush, not as worried about it. But anyway, we need to move on because I'm I'm babbling again. Speaking of running the football, LaShawn McCoy looked very good on Sunday. 10 carries, 81 yards. He looked like he still had uh, something left in the tank. Oh, and you could yeah. really tell what people were saying about the fact that you can't use his last year in Buffalo as a measuring stick because that offensive line was dreadful and that scheme was dreadful and that quarterback is dreadful. Whoa, whoa. And You're so when he's that playing, MVP. that's the, that's the MVP dude. When he's playing in an offense that can spread you out, throw the football, it opens him up and it opens up the running game. And you saw him just more comfortable in this system that he's used to with Andy Reid. I don't know. That Bills team is one and O though. And, uh, Josh Allen <laughs> let him down the field. I told you, second second half comeback. There it was. But yeah, no, for sure. Lashawn McCoy definitely has some juice. He is still very twitchy. Um, I I love watching him run. He runs like no other running back that I've ever seen. Uh, he kind of hunches his shoulders and makes awkward movements, but it throws off defenders. Um, and he's still got that. He's hard to bring down. He makes the first guy miss like one hundred percent of the time. Uh, but yeah, he's a step slower, but looked excellent. And I would be surprised if he wasn't the starting running back by week four or five. Yeah, he's going to get the bulk of the carries, I think. Uh, and relatively quickly, uh, we talked about this extensively, but my last thing was that Garner Minshew looked like Tom Brady. Uh, again, the pass rush being better as we expect it to be. You can, I don't think you can contain guys like Frank Clark, and guys like Chris Jones long enough, uh, you know, consecutively to allow the secondary to look as bad as they did. But it's concerning that Gardner Minshew was able to just come come into the game and carve up your secondary with ease and make them look like a Swiss cheese defense. Uh, but again, we've talked about this at length. He had a good game. The Chiefs didn't. Let's see how they rebound against Derek Carr and the Oakland Raiders. They should rebound against the Oakland Raiders. That's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) My favorite play of the game, which is going to be another segment on these recap shows, was Sammy Watkins' first touchdown. 68 yards, a three-play drive, just a thing of beauty to open the game and let you know that Chiefs football is back. Yeah, Uh, I, I... I am with you on that. That was also my favorite play. And for a number of reasons, uh, if you watch the All-22, the the thing that made it a thing of beauty was not only was it a great catch and run by Watkins, it was also a an excellent block from Demarcus Robinson. It was also excellent. It was also an excellent play call by Andy Reid. It was also an amazing throw by Patrick Mahomes. So... All of it was great, and all of it made me th- made me optimistic about the Chiefs. Uh, I hope we get to see more of that because um, they after the after the game was over. If you listen to our podcast, you could tell you could probably hear the fear in Rylan and my voices. Um, but uh, yeah, that play was phenomenal. Uh, I think I, I I couldn't tell you for sure. Um, but it looked like a staggered kind of look from Andy Reid where they, where everybody on the field ran hitch routes, uh, and Mahomes snuck the ball in between two defenders, and uh, on the way to Watkins, uh, Travis Kelsey 
if you watch the tape, uh, jumps up as if he's going to catch the ball. And I think, I don't know if it was designed that way or if he he realized it after the ball was starting to sail over his head that it wasn't for him. Uh, but he, like, motioned upward like he was going to make the catch, and that brought a defender forward that miss, missed the tackle on Watkins because he thought it was going to Kelsey. And the block was delivered from Demarcus Robinson. Watkins made a great move, and the rest is history. Yeah, and that leads us perfectly into my player of the game and. You'll have one as well. My player of the game is the cop-out answer this week, and it's Sammy Watkins. Especially after you see Tyreek Kill go down, Sammy Watkins is going to be so vital to this offense, especially for the next four to six weeks, or however long that Tyreek Kill is shelved. Hopefully, we don't get into a day-to-day situation, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But Sammy Watkins has not exactly been the picture of health in the NFL. He's been sidelined by multiple injuries himself. It's concerning that you're now relying on a guy who's been labeled injury-prone. But he had a phenomenal game, a career game in Week 1. Yeah, He's said to have had the best offseason of his career. Mix all those things together, make sure he stays healthy, and this could be a guy who allows the offense to keep humming even in the absence of one of the best receivers in the NFL. So he's the player of the game, and he's going to have to be an X-factor for this team for at least four to six weeks. Yeah, uh, 100% he's the player of the game. Uh, but since you mentioned Sammy Watkins, I feel like I have to mention somebody else. Uh, so maybe the defensive player of the game would be Damian Wilson. Uh, he surprised me watching the tape. He didn't make like a bunch of flashy plays, um, but when he made plays, they were impressive. Uh, the the one that was the one that was the best was of course the uh, forced fumble on Leonard Fournette. Uh, off of that little dink and dunk pass. Uh, he closed perfectly on um, Fournette. He trailed him perfectly. Great pursuit angle. Everything was perfect. The tackle was great. Uh, the force fumble was even better. So he'll be my player of the game if it's not Sammy Watkins. And then the Orlando, the Orlando Scandrick of the game, which if you <laughs> listen to the season preview podcast you'll know that this is the most frustrating player to watch of the game I gave this in the preseason for the season-long award to Brashad Breeland but for this game it was a group of people as the most frustrating group to watch in this game it was the offensive line I'm very sour on the offensive line after week one I'm not giving up on them just yet but it was incredibly frustrating to see Uh, how that Jaguars front seven kept getting to Mahomes, kept hitting your franchise quarterback, kept hitting the best quarterback in the NFL, uh, and kept getting shots on him. That was frustrating to watch and scary, honestly. Yeah, and I I agree with you. Um, However, that would not be my Orlando Skandrick of the game. My Orlando Skandrick of the game is 100% Charvarius Ward. He looked like (laughs) Orlando Skandrick. (laughs) So um, Charvarius Ward... Literally just could not stick with people. There was there were moments when I just I, I had to walk away from my computer watching the film uh, because it was like he was in a one on one situation and Chris Conley would literally that he'd be right, right with him to the middle of the field and then he would uh, turn back to the quarterback and in that moment Conley would take a step towards the middle of the field and then he was wide open. And I just was like, what are you doing? You're playing man defense. You stay on your man until you know where the ball is. You don't look back. You don't. You stick with your man. And he did that several times. It wasn't like it was just, it wasn't like it was just one time he had a, a mental lapse. It was over and over again. And Gardner Minshew, the rookie quarterback, started picking on Charvarius Ward. That is daunting for the secondary. That is daunting for the entire defense. That needs to change. The Chiefs need somebody that's not Charvarius Ward to take over his place. I'm again going to call for Aaron Colvin because I'm desperate. He's not excellent. He's not even great. He's probably not even good. But adequate is what we need <laughs> in Kansas City. And uh, Charvarius Ward ain't it. Yeah, it wasn't a good showing from Ward at all. Especially some people had him as a guy who they were... Uh, seeing promise in at the end of last year and he just came out and had a disastrous game in week one 
But now, let's end the recap episode again, which will come out once a week, and then tomorrow we're going to do a preview episode with a trip around the NFL, the NFL Week 1 recap. Let's start off with what happened first, not the god-awful Thursday Night Football game between the Packers and Bears, but the fact that Antonio Brown is now a Patriot, and also under investigation for sexual abuse, but he's he's a Patriot. I don't, I don't understand how we got here so fast, uh, but we did, and he's a Patriot because, of course, of course he gets traded from the Steelers to the Raiders, gets cut by the Raiders after demanding a release, and signs with the Patriots after the Steelers would not accept a first-round pick for him because they didn't want him to end up as a Patriot. He's a Patriot anyway. What is going on? <sighs> I am so tired of Antonio Brown. I could just, like... I could just shake him. I, I, I look at his face and his, his dyed mustache, and I could just shake him until he was nothing. But anyway, getting past my anger about Antonio Brown and all the news and stupidity surrounding the guy, um, he's a Patriot, and it appears as though the Patriots, this was kind of the long game for them. Uh, if he were to get cut by the Raiders... Uh, nobody knows whether there was some kind of um, collusion between the two, uh, but it is kind of a strange thing that he was cut by the Raiders and immediately signed up by the Patriots. I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. My dad's all about conspiracy theories, and he's he's 100% in thinking that the Patriots are in on it. And I mean, with good reason. The Patriots have done crazy stuff like this before. Um, they're They're known for cheating. I, I mean, so if, if there's if there's one team that you can uh, feel a little bit tinfoil hatty about, um, it's the Patriots. Uh, but I, I, I think that Antonio Brown is a mess. Um, he's crazy. Uh, he obviously has some problems. I wish he would just step away from the game and get the mental health that he needs. Uh, he's under investigation for... Uh, sexual assault and rape in three different incidents. Um, there is there is a there is a good argument on both sides. So I'm not going to comment on who I think is uh, more uh, correct or more uh, truthful than the other side. However, I will say that Antonio Brown is not necessarily what I would call the model citizen. So anyway, I'm tired of Antonio Brown. He's a patriot. The Chiefs need to be able to cover a lot of different receivers uh, if they're going to beat the Patriots. And right now they're not able to, to cover DJ Chark and Chris Conley and D.D. Westbrook. Um, so, yeah, that's a bit concerning. Um, but all in all, Antonio Brown's a Patriot, and there's not a whole heck of a lot that we can do about it except for um, it just hope that uh, the Chiefs can keep up. Yeah, and you know a lot of people are comparing the situation to like the Golden State Warriors in the NBA. Uh, you know, whenever they got Kevin Durant, I don't see that. I don't think that any team in the NFL can ever be what Golden State was and no. truly be unbeatable. No, this team was always going to be com- competitive and compared to the Chiefs. They, those two teams were always going to be destined to meet at the end in the AFC if things go according to plan. And at that point, it was never going to be about defense. You never had faith in the fact that the Patriots could shut down Patrick Mahomes, and you sure as heck never had faith in the fact that the Chiefs could shut down Tom Brady, whether it's Josh Gordon and, and, and uh, Edelman or A.B. Josh Gordon and Edelman. You still have to outscore them, and I would still take the Chiefs' offense. They have the better offensive mind. They have the better quarterback in 2019. They have the better receiving room right now. They have the better. Uh, I think that they have a better running back group right now as long as McCoy can stay healthy uh, and you know, continue to produce the way he did in week one and even further that with a higher snap count. But again, you have Sony Michelle on the other side. That's that's up for debate. But I think you have better pass catchers. I think you have the better play design, the better scheme, the better head coach. I think you have, the, I mean, head coach at overall, but the offensive side of things. I was going to say, offensive, uh, I don't think uh, so, sir. You have the, a better offensive uh, coaching staff and a better offensive mind. Uh, and then again, I think that in 2019, Mahomes is a better quarterback than Tom Brady. I think that this team is still going to be competitive. Even if A.B. gets to play, which, again, that game would be in late January. 
Who knows where AB will be in late January? He could get hurt. Don't wish it on anybody, but he could get hurt. Injuries happen in the NFL for both sides. You never know what the Chiefs look like at that point. So it's never going to be a situation like the Warriors where you can just hand them the trophy. This is still going to be a fight. Do not give up on the Chiefs season because AB is a Patriot. It sucks because it seems like they always get all the breaks. Josh Gordon's kicked out of the NFL for two years for smoking weed in Cleveland, does it in, does it in New England, writes a, a, a soft letter to the league, and he's reinstated. It seems like everything always breaks New England's way, but again, this is still going to be a competitive season, and it's still going to end with these two teams, hopefully in Arrowhead, hopefully battling it out for a trip to Miami, and hopefully, this time, D-Force offsides and the Chiefs win. But, yeah, you know, I, I yes, all of that is correct. I will mention quickly, though, the Patriots got a defense, and I know that I, I know that they played the the um, the Steelers, who their only genuine receiver is Juju Smith-Schuster, but they shut them down. And maybe it's just Week One jitters, and the Steelers didn't have a good game plan. Maybe it's all those things. But I am, I, as a Chiefs fan, yes, it will come down to the to the game itself, and it's any given Sunday. All that good NFL uh, football talk. But, um, yeah, that defense looked scary. They have Michael Bennett um, up front now. Uh, Stephon Gilmore is just as good as ever. Um, yeah, they, they just got a bunch of players. We'll see if that continues. But, yeah, that gives me pause and makes me nervous. But you're absolutely right. I think it will come down to the game. And it will come down to the Chiefs and the Patriots. And whoever comes out in that game, whoever has the best game plan, will win and go on to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I just think that this season was always going to come down to this elite offense against a good defense. You were either going to play the best NFC defense, whether that be the Bears, whether that be the Eagles, and then you're going to play the best AFC defense, probably the Patriots, uh, but could be other teams. You, you were always going to have to go through good defenses. I just think that this offense, especially if Hill can come back at 100% in four to six weeks, that this offense can beat pretty much any defense. Of course, any given Sunday can happen. The Chiefs can look off for a half that could put them behind the eight ball too far to overcome. Uh, everything can happen in the world, but I'm not giving up on this season the way some people were as soon as the news broke that A.B. is a Patriot. We can get into some real football now. Let's start with the game we've already briefly mentioned. The Ravens absolutely embarrassed the Dolphins, and Harbaugh was keeping his foot on the gas, going for it on fourth down. Uh, you know, on a fake punt, going for it on fourth and goal with RG3, allowing him to throw a touchdown pass in the regular season. He was not having any of the breaks. It was all gas, and they lit up the Dolphins, who after the game saw a plethora of players request a trade, although I don't think any fire sale will happen for Miami. They've already shipped off all the guys who are not in their future plans. Yeah, um, a lot of questions out of Miami and I also think that not only did John Harbaugh beat up on the Miami Dolphins I think the Miami Dolphins beat up on the Miami Dolphins they look terrible uh, I, I I don't want to say they're an 0 and 16 team because that barely happens and I think the last time it did happen was Miami wasn't it or was it Detroit it was the Lions it was the Lions okay one of those terrible teams that's always terrible but um, I said last year that I thought the Dolphins were the worst team in football, and they're pretty close to it. Now, this season, they're worse. Um, I got all kinds of heck from Dolphins fans that came after me on Twitter saying, well, well we have Ryan Tannehill, and he's going to be great. He's not on the team anymore. Now you have Ryan Fitzmagic, and you have Josh uh, Rosen, who is so good and all 32 teams are going to be sad that they, they didn't get him, but he can't even win a starting job against Ryan Fitzpatrick. Did you know he's from Harvard, by the way? Yeah, he's from Harvard. Um, but uh, I am I am blown away by how bad the Dolphins are, um, but that division is always bad. My, my Bills won, so watch out, Patriots. Josh Allen is coming for you, uh, but that's all I got to say about the the Ravens. And I guess Lamar Jackson can throw the ball. He's not just a running back, like I've been saying. 
maybe he's just a talented throwing running back. Um, but uh, the Ravens look good, the Dolphins look terrible, and that's all you can really say about it. Yeah, I picked in the NFL season preview podcast, I picked the Dolphins to be the worst team in the NFL. That prediction seems to be 100% true. As far as the Ravens go, was it a good game? Absolutely. They played a great game, and they did their job. They were supposed to beat the Dolphins. They did that. They dominated the Dolphins. But I'm not ready to crown Lamar Jackson as a a great thrower of the football, a great dual-threat quarterback. I'm not willing to crown this offense. I think the addition of Hollywood Brown is going to be huge, uh, and, it, and it proved to be huge in Week 1. Uh, he did all that on, like, 12 snaps. I mean, also, this guy was elite on Sunday, also, but I don't know how much this continues against better competition. I, I actually think it will. I am not sold on the Steelers. The Browns looked rough. The Ravens might be that team. I would not be surprised. In fact, I think I chose the Ravens to win the division, and I know that's kind of a hot take, but they brought in some players. Um, like you said, Hollywood Brown, but also they brought in, uh, what's his face from the Saints? Uh, the running back. Sneed. What? Oh, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram. Yeah, they have, they've been ru- having a good running game without a good running back. Now they have a good running back. It's like the things that they needed, they addressed this offseason. They got better on defense because they added Earl Thomas to the backfield. I mean, if, if, Baker Mayfield couldn't move the ball on the Tennessee Titans. He sure is. Hey, let's relax the on the Baker Mayfield slander, okay? He is not going to be able to move the ball on the Ravens. I mean, I know you like Baker. I know you're an Oklahoma guy, but the 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 truth of the matter is, the Cleveland's the Cleveland Browns uh, did not look good against Tennessee, who by all means has a good defense, but their defense is a scrappy defense, not an elite defense like the Ravens. The Ravens could pummel the Browns to the ground in the same situation. Yeah, let's shift over to my pick to win that division, the Browns, and they were terrible on Sunday. Flatly, they were terrible. The first drive looked like I was going to be 100% right. I was ready to go cash that ticket in Vegas. The Browns are back, even though they've never been there, so I guess they can't be back. But the Browns are here, and they're going to win the division after that first drive. And then things just collapsed. And now the story is about Odell's watch and just stupid things like that. But Baker Mayfield looked terrible. He had the worst game of his pro career. That was the worst game he's played, arguably, since high school. I mean, he played extremely well at Oklahoma. He played extremely well last year. And week one this year, he was awful. I mean, that was the worst I've seen Baker Mayfield look. And the Browns got knocked down a peg. And now you feel like both the Jets and the Browns are fighting for their season on Monday Night Football. Both of them are, are surprisingly 0-1. And if you go down 0-2, how is that locker room going to react on both sides? The Browns have to pick it up because the talent is there. That They have the talent on offense. They have the talent on defense. They're not disciplined. The offensive line played terrible. Freddie Kitchens looked like he didn't know what he was doing. So all the the stigma around the Browns came true in week one. I think that that will balance out, and and it'll go not to the extreme of winning the division, but also not being a laughingstock and and, and handing them uh, 200 yards of penalties. Yeah, I mean, if you give someone 200 yards of penalties, you're going to lose that football game. (laughs) Throw in the fact that Baker Mayfield was awful. This team... Look dreadful. There's only up to go from here for the Browns. Yeah, I can't imagine that they'll be like a horrible team. Um, But I will quickly say that you said that both teams surprisingly lost. And um, I'm not surprised that the Jets lost. I believe I famously picked the Bills to win that division. Now, this was before Antonio Brown went to the Patriots. Okay, so give me a little bit of slack. But I told you the Bills have a defense. The Bills have some players. They have the capability of winning, you know, nine games, eight games. They're a solid team, and nobody wants to believe that because Sean McDermott uh, has never gotten it done there, but they've never had the talent that they have this year. Um, So, yeah, I'm not surprised by the Jets, but the Browns, the Browns looked bad, um, and they have a lot of talent, so how they looked bad is beyond me. Um... I guess that's one of the games I did not watch, the All-22. But I will say that 
it looks like we have a different player at home and away and uh, against good teams and against bad teams in Baker Mayfield. Uh, against bad teams, Baker always comes out shining, looks like one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, he just hasn't gotten it done against great teams. I, I mean, of course, he's, he's still a, a young guy. He has a lot to learn still. Um, but as far as getting it done against solid teams, I have not seen it yet. Um, it might come, but there is a reason for concern for the Browns if he cannot start picking up wins against solid NFL teams. Yeah, Monday night is going to be huge. The Browns' offensive line can't look that bad again. Baker can't look that bad again. And you cannot have a historic mark and penalties again. I'll tell you right now. If you clean all that up, you're you're competitive and you have a chance to beat the Jets, and I'd take you to beat the Jets if you can clean all of that up. If they can't beat the Jets, they are not they don't have a a a snowball's chance in hell of winning their division. There's no way. Absolutely no way. You start the season 0-2, you drop one to Adam Gase and the Jets. Please, go home. Baker Mayfield better wake up feeling dangerous on Monday night. <laughs> well, Monday. That's all I got to say. The Falcons absolutely killed me on Sunday. If you listen to the preview podcast, I told you to lay the house on the Falcons because Kirk Cousins is god-awful. I hate Kirk Cousins. He's a terrible quarterback. I don't believe he can ever come up big to save his life. And then he beat the Falcons. Yeah. Now, the line was plus four in Atlanta's favor, and they got destroyed 28-12. It wasn't even that close, honestly. I mean, it was an awful game from Atlanta. I was surprised how bad they looked on Sunday, obviously, betting a lot of money on them. But I won it back on the Chiefs. Luckily, I laid a lot more on the Chiefs, minus three and a half. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not super surprised that the Vikings won. I, I know that I'm like, yes, anding you a lot and being like, well, actually, I know what actually was going to happen. But I, I mean, the Falcons are a fine football team, but I think that the Vikings might surprise some people. I mean, this is a team that you have to remember. They went to the NFC Championship just a couple of years ago. Like, this is, this is a solid football team, and they got away from themselves because they were like, oh, we have these great receivers, we have Kirk Cousins who's going to come in and save everybody, but now they're getting back to that old-fashioned style of football that Mike Zimmer loves. And Mike Zimmer's been a solid coach his entire career. He has, he has, the, he has up years and down years, but he's been solid. Uh, I, I think that his worst record was six-win season or seven-win season, which, I mean, by all accounts, is not the worst thing that can happen in the NFL. Um, so... I think they're getting back to that. They're going to run the football a lot more. They're going to rely on their defense. They have some defensive pieces. I actually like the Vikings a lot more this season if they can continue to uh, pound the running game and not rely on Kirk Cousins to make the offense work. Um, and while, while that's what the quarterback's supposed to do, uh, I, I think that they have a way around that. They, obviously, Kirk Cousins isn't worth the amount of money that they gave him, um, but I think he's capable of winning games. He's a he's an Alex Smith caliber uh, guy that if you give him all the right pieces, he can win you football games. He has a chance of going uh, making playoff runs with a team. I know that you're like all anti Kirk Cousins and and uh, pro Baker Mayfield, but we got to disagree sometimes. Um, Kirk Cousins, seriously, want a primetime game first, and then we'll talk about how good you are. How about that? <laughs> how do you but, like that? How do you like that? <laughs> the Jets, which Baker Mayfield, by the way, has won a primetime game, unlike Kirk Cousins. But the Jets are still the Jets. They went up 16-0, including a missed point after attempt. I was feeling good about Jets minus two and a half. Things were cooking. I was talking bleep to Grant on Twitter. And then here come the Bills circling the wagons. Told you. And they went it 17-16. to 16 Told you. In what could be a very deflating loss for the Jets. Told you. But I'm just saying, like, I'm not going to ever be confident in a team that's coached by Adam Gase. When will people learn that Adam Gase is an offensive coordinator and not even that great of one in the first place? He coached 
Peyton Manning, of course the offense looked good in Denver. He's not a good coach in general. And people keep hiring him. He keeps doing his weird bug eye thing, and they keep hoping that he's going to, like, somehow lead a team. And they have talent on the Jets team. But there's no way I'm ever going to vote, like, yes for a Jets winning season. Um, so I'm not surprised the Jets weren't are the same old Jets. Um, they have talent. They're not going to be any better until they get an actual serviceable head coach in there. Uh, they were the team people were saying, that here's our sleeper pick. But coaches matter in the NFL more than any sport. Any sport. Uh, baseball, uh, basketball, anything. You need a great head coach in the NFL, and the Jets have the opposite of that. Yeah, the Jets were disappointing, especially after going up 16 to nothing. How much money did Austin Eckler cost Melvin Gordon on Sunday? Averaging four yards a carry, a touchdown, and 58 yards. People just couldn't stop talking about his performance against the Colts. And uh, kind of shifting into the to the Melvin Gordon who talk after that game. Yeah, no, definitely Melvin Gordon who and running backs don't matter. Uh, but all the same, Eckler is a good player. He has been since he's entered the league. He's a better receiving threat than Melvin Gordon. And uh, I'm not surprised that the Chargers aren't giving Gordon money because he's a running back. Um, Now, he has every right to get that money somewhere else, but it's not going to come from the Chargers when they have Austin Eckler. He's a guy that can stretch the field in the passing game. He had multiple receiving touchdowns, I believe, in the game against the Colts. Um, Yeah, he had two receiving touchdowns and 96 yards through the air. Yeah, and that's going to fit the Chargers' offense better than what Melvin Gordon did. And he was their second leading receiver behind Keenan Allen. Yeah, yeah, that's what he's been his whole career. He's been the second guy, and he's actually racked up a lot of fantasy points because he's been an extra receiver. He is a dangerous player. I would venture to say, and this is a hot take, that Eckler is a better running back than Melvin Gordon. And so we'll see if that holds true. We'll see if I if I look silly and I get uh, I get made fun of on old takes exposed or whatever. But like. I am, I am one hundred percent on the Austin Eckler train, uh, because running backs first and foremost don't really matter because you can plug and play anybody. But as far as quality of play, Eckler is a better player than Gordon has been in Los Angeles. We've been disagreeing a lot in this segment, probably more than we have in the history of this podcast. Besides the whole Russell Wilson debate, won't get into that again. But not so fast, my friend. I agree with you this time. Austin Eckler is a much better running back, a better threat out of the backfield, especially in this system, than Melvin Gordon, and they're making the right call not to give in. In general, I agreed never pay a running back. In Dallas's case, I was fine with it because Zeke makes everyone on that team better. Yes. Without Zeke, Dak is a god-awful quarterback. Yes. I mean a god-awful quarterback, and you saw what he did Sunday with Zeke. So I, I agree with what they did in paying Zeke, and they and they structure that beautifully. Melvin Gordon is not that type of player. He's a good running back. He's not a game-changing, season-changing running back. Correct. The record without Melvin Gordon will not fluctuate for the Chargers. The record without Zeke will just be decimated if the Cowboys lost him for the year. Correct. Uh, but I agree with you there. Melvin Gordon, get him out of here. Go find somewhere else. He was on Twitter, though. He's pretty funny on there. But, uh, yeah, get him out of here. Austin Eckler is the guy in... I think I called it San Diego like three times in Los Angeles, but I'll always call them San Diego. They should <laughs> honestly just move back there for my sake. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, speaking of Dak Prescott. I mean, before you we move on, I, I just want to say, yeah, there are those handful of, of running backs that are game changers. Saquon Barkley's one, Christian McCaffrey's one, uh, and obviously uh, Zeke is one. Uh, but... You have to be an excellent athlete, and you have to be the, the pulse of a team to deserve that kind of money from the running back position. Uh, Gordon is just not that guy. I think he's been a little bit overrated since he's enter, entered the league because he was so good in college. Uh, but, yeah, for sure, Gordon's not that guy. They need to just go to Austin Eckler. But, yeah, let's move on to Dak. And, of course, in 2019, you also have to be versatile the way McCaffrey is, the way Alvin Kamara is. You have to feel confident of them going out of the backfield. And even in McCaffrey and Kamara's case, being in the slot. I mean, they're two receivers pretty much in your backfield. Uh, but yes, 
Is Dak Prescott good? I still think the answer is no, but he had a very good game on Sunday, albeit against the Giants. Everybody has a good game every once in a while. I mean, like... He had 405 yards and four touchdowns with a 12.7 average. That was probably the best game I've seen him play. Uh, He's one of those guys who I've always tracked the game film on because of how... Uh, the diff- how how different the narrative is if you're a Dallas fan and you're in in that realm of things of the Cowboys land and if you're outside of it. So I've always kept an eye on him. That was the best I've seen him look, but I still don't think he's a good quarterback. I think a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, and it helps that you're going up against the Giants who are god-awful defensively. Yeah, for sure. And I, I mean... And offensively. They're just god-awful. I just... the The thing is, is that... I remember a game when Blake Bortles had a game like that. It's like it's not it's not a thing that you you can say, well Blake Bortles is now an elite quarterback because he threw for 350 yards and three touchdowns. But like we we need to get real about Dak. He is he has better receivers. He has a great offensive line. He has all the tools that anybody could ever need on that Dallas team. He had all the focus on Ezekiel Elliott. Everybody's looking elsewhere. I mean, if they start keying in on Dak, it will be a tough road for him. They are keying in on Ezekiel Elliott. That was the game plan from the Giants. It backfired because Dak has receivers now. He was able to stand in the pocket. And, I mean, I'm not going to ever believe Dak's good unless he he throws for, like, 4,000 yards and... Uh, and 38 touchdowns or 35 touchdowns, something that an actually good quarterback does. I'm not going to believe Dak's good. He's a, I believe, a worse version of what Alex Smith was for the Chiefs. He he can run tough. Uh, he, he's a tough guy. He can take some hits. But that's about what I can say about him. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't do anything amazingly well he doesn't throw well on the run even though that's what he's like known for if he's if he's moving he's typically throwing the ball off target if he's if he's not running the ball up the middle and taking some kind of big hit from a linebacker I mean what does he do special uh, as a quarterback um I Dak's gonna get paid a bunch of money this year because the the Cowboys messed up by not paying him because I mean Look at the production since they they added uh, what's his face from the Raiders. What's the receiver? Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Yes, since they added Amari Cooper last year, they uh, he his uh, performance has seen an upswing. So I mean, I just I think that they messed up by not paying him. He's going to be paid like Russell Wilson money, and that is absolutely ridiculous. But it's going to happen because. The Cowboys and Jerry Jones are ridiculous sometimes. And, um, yeah, so Dak is still not good, but he's going to get paid like it. Yeah, I I don't think Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. And I think that you said it at the, at the top of your spiel of, of the fact that they have one of the best offensive lines in the league. They have one of the best running backs in the league. And they have a three-headed monster in Gallup who performed very well, 158 yards. Cooper who performed very well, 106 yards. And Randall Cobb saw a resurgence with 69 yards himself. Very nice there. I think that with this draft class, you can go get somebody in the second, third, fourth round who can do what Dak Prescott does, and you can pay Cooper, pay Byron Jones, and then redo this whole quarterback on the cheap thing while you're paying Zeke, while you're paying Cooper, while you're paying Demarcus Lawrence, while you're paying Byron Jones. Get Jake Fromm. Get Jacob Eason. Get guys like that who aren't necessarily going to go in the first round, but are still going to be serviceable quarterbacks because that's all you really need them to be is glorified game managers who can get your playmakers the football. And both those guys are extremely smart with extremely strong arms and can do just that. How dare you say you want the Cowboys to move on from an expensive, not good quarterback and pay an actually good corner that the Chiefs could get on the open market? How dare you, sir? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I guess from the Chiefs' perspective, yeah, let let Jones hit the open market and let's see what Kansas City can do with their now restructured contracts and more cap space. Yeah, they would one hundred percent, one hundred percent be all in on Byron Jones because that is a that is a Brett Feach 
pipeline for some reason. He liked Damian Wilson. He liked Anthony Hitchens. Of course he's going to take anybody else on that defense that is on the open market. We're coming up on an hour-long show, so the final game we're going to recap from week one. Someone save Deshaun Watson, please, before he gets hurt for his career. He takes a beating every possession, and that was a very fun game on Monday Night Football, uh, the Texans and the Saints, and that was one of the best games in our lifetime on Monday night. It was very, very fun. Of course, I mean specifically on a, a Monday night, not in total of the NFL. But on a Monday night, that was one of the best games uh, we've seen aired on that day of the week. For sure. Watson throwing for 268 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, come on now. He was extremely good. Of course, Drew Brees was fine, but Watson was incredible, and still, he kept getting hit every play. Someone needs to protect him at all costs, because I don't care if you're a Chiefs fan or an NFL fan, it is fun to watch these young quarterbacks excel at a high level. Yeah, no, I think that Deshaun Watson is um, definitely in the conversation for a top seven quarterback in the league. Uh, He's got to be in that range somewhere. I think that if he was on another team, we would be talking about him as a top five, top three kind of guy. Uh, he is that talented. He can run the football. He can he can deliver some beautiful throws downfield. Uh, he has a great receiver, and he's a great quarterback himself. It is just a shame that he does not have a good head coach. If he played on a team with a good head coach... Who, or a general manager, but still. Oh, man. Or a team just with a general manager. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> But, you know, like, I, I just, oh, man, him, and, him and, uh, and Hopkins on an actual functioning team would be the most insane uh, thing that would ever hit uh, the NFL. But we may never see that because of contracts, because of injury, and because the Texans will not fire Bill O'Brien. Not to mention Kenny Sills, who fits that offense perfectly, and, of course, Will Fuller. Chiefs legend Carlos Hyde had 83 yards on 10 carries. Uh, Pretty good day from Chiefs legend Carlos Hyde. Uh, This game, though, in the win-loss category, the Texans lost 30-28. Last second drive by Drew Brees. Set up a game-winning field goal. I still think that the Texans are a pretty good team. Uh, I think that they're going to win that division. It'll be close. Uh, They're not elite, but they're pretty good. Uh, Luckily for them, that entire division is pretty bad. Uh, You know, the the Titans are fine. The Colts are, are, are decent. The Jags are all right. And so that kind of just leaves the Texans to win that division, in my opinion. Don't sleep on those Titans. Don't sleep Tighten on those Titans. I mean, they have, they have Mariota. He's not great. But, I mean, they've added pieces. They have more receivers. Like Ryan Tannehill. They have, they have some offensive firepower that they didn't have in the previous couple of years. And they've, they've had a stingy defense for quite some time. Uh, don't sleep on the Titans. I think that the Titans have a, a pretty good shot at um, knocking. And they're off always going to win nine games out of nowhere. What? They're always going to win nine games out of nowhere. Yeah, no. Uh, Vrabel's a good coach. That's the difference. Vrabel's a good coach. Bill O'Brien's not. I would not be surprised to see the Titans whoop the Texans a couple times this season. Okay. Because whoop. Because okay. Because because Bill O'Brien. Is terrible. The wonderful things he does. And Vrabel is a good coach. He's a good defensive-minded coach. And he also knows Bill O'Brien from coaching on his staff. All right. That's a minute. It's two minutes atop of the hour here on the Aerodactic Podcast. And Grant Tuttle just said that the Texans are going to get whooped by the Titans. So we will, we will conclude. <laughs> We will. <laughs> I'll take any line in that game. Give me the give me the Texans, and let's ride with Deshaun Watson. <laughs> we will conclude today's episode recapping Week One of the 2019 NFL season. And on tomorrow's show, we will preview Week Two of the NFL season, including your Chiefs taking on the Oakland Raiders. Grant, do you have any final words that are not that the Texans are going to get blown out by the Titans? Uh, don't sleep on the Titans. Don't sleep on the Bills. Uh, you can fall asleep on the Jets. Uh, don't fall asleep on the Chiefs. 
and uh, definitely don't fall asleep on the Patriots. I mean, I could go through all these teams. Don't fall asleep on the Vikings. A lot of these teams that you didn't like, I actually do. So, And so far I've been correct, but a lot of times these are overreactions to week one. So everybody chill out. Uh, settle in. We're, we're almost here for another week of football. Uh, pretty excited about it. The Chiefs should win in Oakland, but we'll talk about that on the next um, next thing, and I hope that we do a go-around and see who uh, each of our picks are. Um, for sure. That's how the preview worked last week. We're going to pick every single NFL game, including Colts versus t- uh, Titans. For sure. All right. Well, uh, everybody have a wonderful day. Uh, thank you for listening to this uh, long podcast uh, where I ramble a lot about how much I like uh, odd teams and odd players. It's been fun. It's been good to get back in the groove of things. Again, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. You can find tomorrow's episode around the same time, about about 4 or 5 o'clock, uploaded and ready to go, if not earlier than that, uh, previewing the week ahead for the Chiefs. Hopefully they can get the job done. And you can listen to that show instead of watching the god-awful Thursday night game, which this week is the Buccaneers and Panthers. Thanks a lot, NFL Network. Hey, Poor one out for Deshaun Deshaun Watson, who's going to get injured again on Sunday. Poor one out for for, uh, Hopkins, who lost his consecutive catch streak and had a couple drops on Monday night. But poor one out for Tyreek Hill, who's going to be out four to six weeks. The Chiefs are still in good hands. Do not worry. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Follow Grant on Twitter at GrantTMNTuttle. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Let us know what you liked about the show, what you didn't like about the show. Like, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Be good and be good to one another. We will see you guys tomorrow afternoon. Bye-bye. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.